0: Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you are listening to Amazing Stories. In the dark you start to think plenty thoughts. You start to think of home, all your husband needs tonight. How will your son sleep without his mama's night prayers? Think of all these things when you have enough time. I could not sleep. Oh. Could not even eat like the rest of them. I was worried for Naomi. She was in there, in the office with him for a long time. She should not have been there. She was just a child. I would have gone in her place if I could, but there was nothing I could do. I was in one of those hours alone. You know the story of Jonah, in the belly of the whale. Eh, it helped me get through the night.
1: We were all in the main shop floor. Carl was in the back room with he Occasionally coming out to patrol the aisles. I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. I didn't like how quiet they were back there. Anything could have been happening. There hadn't been any mention of food or drink up until this point. So we fended for ourselves. I had a ploughman's from the fridge, kept it simple... Jackson was filling himself up with energy drinks. The last thing we needed was him becoming more hyper. About two hours went by. Still nothing. The useless security guard, Derek, started on the whisker. It occurred to me that he knew the code to the back. So why wasn't he telling us?
2: Uh, My name's Derek, Derek Osmond. Have you spoken to the others? You have... Look, um I barely knew him, Carl. I remember. He'd been working on the tills a few months. Didn't always smell the best, but he's quiet. You know? I know, they always say, "Don't know the ones you have to watch." You know, we were uh, we were on shift together a few times. Oh, I do earlies. Carl had been on with me once or twice, but never really. And then he was laid off. He was gone. Last in, first out. Took me by surprise. You know, I have to say, all of this. I mean, can you tell? You have an instinct for these things? Well, whatever it is, I don't have it. I've been working for three years, nearly. Wilson's applied the year I turned 60. Actually, that's the year I got divorced. Big year, all your wildest dreams. (laughs) Uh, What's it like? Well, the first thing is you come along and they say, well, it's training day, you know. (laughs) What it involves is they say, right, go and stand there by the door with that hat on and just stay there. That's the end of the training. Did you enjoy it? Now try not to die boredom. If a bunch of kids come in and stand around near them and if I'm feeling like I need a bit of air or offer help to an old lady, I'll take her shopping home, carry her bags, you know. Mrs Evans, there's a few doors down from the shop, so I don't mind helping her out. Once or twice I've had a shoplifter. You know, a couple of times I've seen one running out. I've tried to go after them, but it's just getting nowhere. Yeah, you know, they're rounding the corner up the top of the road by the time I get out the door. They're getting on a bike and they're, they gone. Forget it. And what have they got? Like a multi-pack of crisps, a couple of beers... But, yeah, yeah, this was my first armed siege. You're not allowed to actually get hold of people. You're not allowed legally to do it. we got no rights beyond just a member of the public if, if we're not detaining them. Mm. We can use reasonable force, whatever that is, but if they've got a gun, I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've got kids. Grown-up kids. So I'm not risking my life. No. Uh-uh. Not for nine twenty-three an hour. But the thing is, they do look to you, right? When you've got the uniform on, the rest of the shoppers, hostages, whatever it is, and they're all kind of go, well, "Come on in." What are you can do about it? No, no, I'm not risking my life. That's the bottom line. When it comes to him waving a gun about, I'm one of the punters. When that bunch were jumping him, you know, I tried to look like I was involved in that, but it was them. It was nothing to do with me. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near someone with a gun. Yeah, I'll leave that to the rest of them, you know, army woman and all the rest of it, with their hero complexes and their. It's just a death wish, isn't it? And then Nadine got shot. Uh, He was going to get married, you know that? Yeah. There was this whip round a few months ago. People signed a card for him and his girlfriend, fiance, and a staff for him, and, uh, yeah, they're going to get married. So Carl was in the back with the schoolgirl uh, for a long time. A long time. And...
3: It had been dark a long time, and uh, we were all, well, we were waiting. Uh, just waiting in the bread aisle. The initial chaos and panic, adrenaline of it all had died down a bit and um, we were talking about our families and so on because uh, by now we knew they'd know about what was happening, about the gun and about people being held hostage. But of course we didn't know if they'd know we were involved so we were wondering if they would have worked it out. Anyway, uh, someone asked me about Stuart and the kids, which was... So, I'm not a big one for talking about family. Um, I was talking to Derek, mostly, the security guard. Carl kept looking at all the stuff online, getting obsessed with it, asking us what we thought. Obviously, there was speculation about who he was and uh, why he was. I mean, why does anyone get into something like this? <sighs> he needed money, of course. Who doesn't? But they were trying to dig up all sorts. There was an ex-girlfriend they found. She said he threw the telly out the first floor window once. Um, and a school teacher who said he kept himself to himself. Uh, he made sure we all had enough to eat. Not that there was a shortage of food. I mean, if you're held hostage in a bank, you're not so well catered for. Do you know what I mean? But uh, while Carl was waiting for the ransom money to arrive, we were surrounded by food and booze. Anyway, I had a drink. We all did, to be honest. But all I could think about was the young girl, Naomi. I told Carl, I said, I, I want to see her. He'd had her locked in the back room with him since she earned up about the photo. Yeah, we were we were worried sick.
4: I was sitting in the corner trying to be as far away from him as possible and he was sort of just sitting there with his hands on his head like he had a migraine or something. He didn't look okay, to be honest. Then he took off his mask and he just looked at me. I felt bare long he didn't move. He was just like... like that. I tried to look away and face the wall, it was dirty, dirty little corner, probably had rats and everything, he started sweating like you could see it on his forehead, then he asked me what I was thinking, I told him that I missed my mum, and he said he did too, that she'd kill him if she found out what he was doing, then he left. He went outside, not outside, outside, but, I mean, into the aisles. Then he came back with a pack of cigarettes and started smoking. Offered me one. He asked me about school. I told him I wanted to be head girl, but was never going to be because I'm not like the other girls. And I'd have to make a campaign video, and it goes on the school's website for the whole school to watch. And then he was like to me... <laughs> Never mind. It's dumb. Well, he gave me back my phone. He asked me what they were saying out there. and I didn't really want to tell him that everyone thinks he's some psycho kidnapper. So I said, why didn't he make some videos to show that he weren't? And he got up and was like, let's go.
3: And then he brought Naomi back. She looked okay, I think. I mean, how can you tell? But she looked, you know, she wasn't panicking or traumatised or no more than the rest of us. Anyway, she kept saying she was OK. It all felt... Well, I guess that's why the rumour started that she might be in on it. Was she in on it? I think Jacko said it first. Was Naomi an accomplice, his girlfriend maybe? Yeah. And I said to Carl, how is this going to end? It isn't looking great for you. When it's all in the papers, how is he ever going to come out of it okay? And I said, think smart, Carl. Think medium to long term. This isn't looking good in the here and now, but if you can come out of it in a few weeks, you know, with people thinking that you were backed into a corner, well, you haven't killed anyone. Yes, that poor manager got shot, but you released him. And he's stable and it wasn't deliberate at the end of the day. If you can start getting a different image out there... Maybe...
4: (sighs) Carl wanted to get others involved too, like to show that we were all right and everything. He brought me back to the aisles and Carl told everyone to eat and drink whatever they liked while I recorded it. He told them to say stuff like, Carl's not a killer, we're okay. when the money comes we're getting home. that's when they started drinking. Jacko let me have a sip. It was disgusting, like... Carl was really happy
5: with the footage I got. We posted
4: it and the internet went crazy.
5: No, look, it wasn't a party, all right? Not... I know what the phone footage looks like, but it wasn't a party, all right? I swear. I know, I know what it looks like, but it's wrong, all right? It's wrong. When you know the context, it's wrong. Something else happened when we were locked in that room.
4: Carl called his mum. I couldn't hear what she was saying, but... He asked her if she'd watched the telly or the news or anything. Then he told her he'd just stepped out and he'd be home soon and that he'd pick up the food shopping from Wilson's.
2: Then someone opened a whiskey. Now, you know, I, I, I'm quite careful about how much I drink these days, generally. But if you're stuck in there for the night, you know. Yeah, you know, I needed a drink. I did. So... You know, you do whatever gets you through. And, um... Yeah. Um Oh, me and the uh, woman. Maggie? Yeah. No, we were drinking most of it. Yeah, talking about kids, you know. You get maudlin. Of course you do, when you You're facing mortality and... And then there's... There's a good amount of whiskey there, you know. Um... It was her son's birthday, I think. So you want to... Yeah, of course you do. You know, we always go to London Gateway Services on Abby's birthday, <laughs> my daughter. When she was about four, we were coming back from seeing the grandparents uh, and we had to stop there, use the toilets or whatever, and, and she said it was her favourite bit of the day. So after that, we always, yeah you know, on her birthday. She's 38 now. <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, you know. She likes a can of Coke and a sandwich and a magazine. I mean, yeah, i take her anywhere. Heston, Lee Delamere. Oh. Sandbatch Services. <laughs> Look at your face. No, no. No, i take her to nice restaurants and get her pizza. And... But she still prefers London Gateway.
1: Carl's new plan was to take control of the narrative being positive messages to the world outside. I didn't know what they were really hoping to achieve with this. Firstly, was Naomi being forced into doing this? Probably. And did Carl think that buttering up the court of public opinion would save him from real-life consequences? I mean, surely not. He should have been concentrating on the here and now, you know? The negotiation.
5: Who in there could have been working with Carl? Yeah, I'm asking you, Mr Journalist, man, which of us could have been his guy on the inside? It doesn't even sound right, does it? (laughs) I mean, I told you, this was the press, your lot, clutching at straws just because they didn't have a Scooby who any of us were at this point. I read it all after we got home. Well, go on, then. Go on, who's he going to be working with? What, Kemi? Do you think she had a divine dream where she knew the secret entrance into the ATM machine, or uh, was he working with Naomi, the schoolgirl who put him, you know, his face onto her private Snapchat story and revealed his identity to the world? That Naomi, or was it Maggie, you know, the robot who's blatantly never broken a promise, let alone a law in her life? Penny and Carl don't even look like they're from the same planet, and Derek had hardly cut a fart since we'd been there. There's your lineup. The usual suspects. No, I don't think so. Does any of us sound like we had accessory to armed robbery in us? Now, Carl, he's back on the phone to the negotiator. I thought he'd been quite quiet, actually, the negotiator now. You know, in films like uh, Dog Day Afternoon, yeah, the negotiator doesn't shut up. It's like they're trying to be the lead in the film. And He was getting angsty now. Carl, that is, you know. He told them to double the money now because they knew who he was. Still, though, 150k was low, man. Now if you're doing a ransom, you've got to be demanding around 250, 300 bags. At least start with that, then make it go up like it's an auction or whatever. Now I was starting to get into it, I'm not going to lie. It seemed under control anyway, that's why I, took, you know, I just checked out. You know, I left the others to do the eavesdropping and I just I laid down took a load off. Done enough by that point, right? (laughs) So the ceiling of Wilson's is all cubes, like massive cube tiles. I didn't have no phone, no computer, but I had the ceiling and I couldn't stop thinking about this new idea for Killshot. Yeah, that was like my canvas. So as long as I'd ever gone without a screen and it had come to this, you know, imagining that one in front of me. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, I had to rework the 9mm sound effect, you know. When Carl blasted his gun, it had more like a, more of a, you know, rather than what I thought was like a, you know, and the blood. Blood is much darker than what I had. Now my blood was pink compared to what was on the wall. But I was designing a whole new level on the ceiling into one thing to the next, zoned out I had to hit pause though Because I heard something I heard like footsteps like, In the game or real life Whichever They were right above us
0: There was a noise on the roof It was the police What came next? Ask them They're the ones that threw gas Smoke everywhere. It was not
3: just him inside. Someone went shh, so we all shushed. And yeah, yeah, it did sound like there were footsteps up there, someone trying to come in. Well, Carl went mental. Then the gas started coming in. It was just a kind of hissing, um, like a balloon going down, or or a snake, I suppose. I guess the police try to gas you out, do they? They should all be ashamed of themselves.
0: Carl got us all up. His eyes were wide and big and he was shouting in a line. We got in line and he just started looking at us.
3: He didn't know what to do. What are his options? Open the doors and let us out. Let us all keep breathing noxious fumes till we were unconscious and the police could run in and rescue us. (laughs) but he decided what to do. And then all of
0: a sudden, he got those bag-for-life bags. I thought he was mad, even madder than before. He told us to wear it on our heads. A bag on my head. He called the police uh, um, and spoke to them in that voice. I didn't like it. That sound of that voice in the dark underneath the bag. It sounded evil, devilish. He said he's had enough. And that he should be taken seriously. I wanted to suggest that he stop talking about robots. Take off that superhero mask and stop that silly voice. If he wanted to be taken seriously, anyway.
3: He pulled up the shutters and he opened the main shop doors. I mean, now I think about it, of course, it was always going to make headlines. He started shouting, I want my reparations!
0: I laughed to myself. <laughs> we that have been waiting for reparations for long, 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 You that, you have just arrived, you are now demanding. Good luck.
3: <laughs> well, but it worked. He was trying to attract attention and it's an arresting image, isn't it? He wasn't stupid. All of us hostages, we were all being talked about in the press and all over social media by now. It was crazy. And of course it's going to attract attention. All of us in the supermarket window with Bags for Life on our heads. I couldn't see anything, but I could hear the others. There wasn't any gas.
1: We're not in Russia. But the police were on the roof. He meant business now, Carl. This strange sort of relationship he was having with the outside world was boiling over. Carl threw bags over our heads. I knew where this was going. And it went there. The sound of that steel clanging and the lights penetrating the cracks in my shopping bag meant that we were on show. We were part of their show. His show. The show. I went somewhere else. Somewhere I'd been before. I could feel my own warm breath against the bag, my own cheese sandwich breath. I could hear my heart beat, fighting with its own instinct to go faster. I could hear whoever was on the left breathing quickly and deeply, trying to stop themselves from completely crumbling. I could hear the whisper prayers to my right, Kemi, and her acceptance of what the future may hold. I could see my family, my husband, and my boy, waiting for me with a big sign that read, Welcome home, Sergeant Mummy. I could see the smiles. I could feel the embrace, the tears the sighs of relief that meant we're together now.
4: I worked day and night, he was shouting. I took all the shifts no one else wanted and cleaned all the nasty shelves no one would touch. I should have got a promotion, but instead I got fired. But I never meant for... And then he stopped. His voice cracked a bit. But then he goes, Now there's no going back. It's time you lot start taking me seriously. I want my money now. And then he got really into it. And then he said, If you don't bring the money, something bad's gonna happen. And it doesn't matter, because the robots are gonna kill us anyway.
0: I wish he never said that bit. Once again, your people gave in to his demands. The police told him to to lift the the bags from our heads. That they needed to see us before they sent the money in.
1: He must have been weighing up the pros and cons because we stood there waiting for the next move for God knows how long. If he was going to kill us, he would have done it by now. If he was going to let us go, he would have done it by now. The next move was strictly a power move and we were front and centre. He said... Okay, slowly, take your bags off. No false moves. We had our eyes back, and I can't speak for the others, but I could see even less than before. The bulbs flashing, the spotlights. You'd have thought we were walking the red carpet. But as soon as you saw our faces, that was it. We were like lambs to the slaughter.
0: And there we were, standing at the window before the red and blue lights. The cameras, the entire world was seeing us now.
3: The press had all of our pictures then, of course. So I don't know how long it takes to work out who we all are from that photo of us, the ragtag bunch, but that's when everyone started being written about. We were the hostage heroes or the shocked shoppers or, or Carl's crazed complices, depending on what you were reading. And I suppose it isn't difficult to find things out about people these days. I mean, it's all on my Facebook, isn't it? I certainly used to post a lot. I stopped posting a couple of years ago. So oh, I guess it didn't take much to figure out That's when everything in my life had changed
5: Me? Yeah, I agree with everything he was saying Automation's a real thing, man It just doesn't get depressed like the cooler more in inequalities do 20 million jobs are going to be lost to AI by 2030 Yes uh, Don't ask me where I got that from Go and do your own research All right? I've been there. Actually, I saw it coming. Before I went full-time game developing, I was working in a bank. And it's sad, man. They were laying people off left, right and centre. It doesn't matter who you are, they'll lay you off. The ATMs do it all now, you see. But me? <laughs> I wasn't going to be replaced by any machine. I was going to be in control of them, if anything. Still, I felt for calm, man. You know, you obviously didn't see the change till it was too late. And he was ranting, going ape, you know. This was his moment, his grandstand finish. And usually, speeches this good end in a rain of bullets like Denzel in in Training Day, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't going to tell him that. I wanted to see how it would play out in this version. Everyone's seen that moment, right? The famous moment when we took the bags off our head. Carl, you know, he's just below us and he was pointing the gun up and he shouted at me and said, ''Look forward. Don't move. Look forward.'' And he didn't have to be an idiot about it. I was on his side, pretty much. No, not actually on his side. Like, I played no part in any of this, but moralistically, hell yeah, I was on his side. And don't get it twisted, all right? Whatever the argument, you always have to pick a side. You can't just, you know, sit on the fence... I don't know why he revealed us to the world. Uh, Maybe that was part of his negotiation. (laughs) Cos he didn't hand over Naomi, did he? After they'd agreed on that. Maybe the hostage negotiator was Carl's accomplice. Did you think about that? I mean, cos... I mean, showing us off to the world, well... What does that do? Just took all the attention away from Carl and put it all on us.
2: Siege, a BBC Cymru Wales production for Radio 4.
0: Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.